time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. I'm excited to have Gabe Mitten joining us today. He serves as Mortgage Connects Chief Information Officer and Executive Vice President of Information Technology. He has got an extensive background in this area and has served and provided leadership for many companies and provided vision for technology information strategy throughout the industry, including the development of the next generation digital platforms to facilitate seamless experience between the consumer and the client and to maximize operational efficiencies. That's one of my hot buttons. And we're going to get into that a little bit in this interview. Gabe also has over 25 years of leadership roles inside of mortgage companies and technology companies with a special focus on developing software systems and products and strategies throughout his career. He has led strategy and execution communications and vendor relationships. Most recently, he served as a chief information officer at Guild Mortgage, where he led its technology and information strategy, including business systems, architecture, infrastructure, product and services technology. Also, Gabe has served in senior management strategy and technology positions at Black Knight Service Link, Motivity Solutions, Accenture Mortgage Cadence, and the Mortgage Bankers Association. He has also been a leading architect and founding member of MISMO, the Mortgage Industry Standard Maintenance Organization, a subsidiary of MBA. He has earned a Bachelor of Science with a double major in Computer Science and Statistics and a minor in Mathematics from Radford University in Virginia and a Master's of Software Engineering degree from the University of Maryland. Man, what an impressive background. Here we go. Gabe Minton, so good to have you back on the podcast with me. It's been a little too long. Hey, it's great to be here, Dave. We're excited about that. Now, you heard me just give a little bit about your background. I'd like to have you add about it. Most importantly, probably share with us what you're most passionate about over the things you've done throughout your career. Sure. I started working for the U.S. Navy as a software engineer, computer scientist. So I bring an engineering sort of background to my career. And I've come up over the years and got into mortgage and never looked back and have held many, a variety of roles from technologists to working at the Mortgage Bankers Association, as you've mentioned, to working at lenders, shops, to working at service providers. Currently, I work at Mortgage Connect, which is a national service provider to the mortgage industry. So I've kind of seen all sides of the table around mortgage, if you will. Similar a lot to you, except you have a lot more experience than even I have with all the things that you've done. And I look to you as an example with that as well. I would say one of my most passionate, I love solving problems. And I also love working with people. So the mortgage industry is very small. We've known each other for a long time. So I like the familiar faces and then working together to solve problems at an industry level, at a company level, at a lender level, whatever it might be. Yeah. And you are one heck of a problem solver. Not only that, I love the six working geniuses. We don't have time to get into that. But one of the things it talks about is wonder and invention. And you are just always wondering how we could improve this industry. And you're talking about inventing new things. And you certainly have been on the cutting edge of many things that have been, we've thought about 
accomplishing. I'll never forget one dinner we had in Washington, D.C., where we sat around and we solved all the problems. And what's so interesting about that dinner is the forward thinking that you had and others that were sitting around the table, it actually addressed a lot of the things and a lot of things got implemented that are very similar around what we discussed. So you're clearly a thought leader, and I'm really excited about getting into the topic today, which is artificial intelligence. So listeners go back and listen to the previous podcast that I did with Gabe. This was back done way back in 2019. So you'll think we could have recorded it yesterday. There's that much current information, but I think it'd be good, Gabe, for those that are not going to go back to that podcast, they should, but help us define AI relative to RPA and ML, machine learning, and then robotic process Automation. Yeah. I is an engineering automation. All right. So get walk us through that. Sure. Yeah. So I think of them as, and I do encourage everyone to go listen to that podcast. That was a lot of fun working on with you as well. But just to boil it into a nutshell, I'm very practical about using these technologies in the mortgage space to solve problems. And we'll probably get into some of those examples a little bit later in the conversation. But I like to think of them as building off of each other. So robotics process automation is where it all starts. And this is if you have a rote process that you repeatedly do all the time. And it's a human being that's doing this. I go to this website, I go find this file in this directory and I put it in this directory on this laptop. And I do this every hour on the hour. And if you have a very repeatable, very finite defined process, that's a great thing that you can use robotic process automation around is doing rote repeatable tasks. Now, if you do the rote repeatable task over and over and over and over again, and maybe use fuzzy logic, then you start to get into machine learning, which is moving you towards artificial intelligence. Explain fuzzy logic a little bit. If you could expand on the fuzzy logic, when I understand RPA from the standpoint, it is very defined exact. You put in this, you want this. But then you're talking about fuzziness. Is it the definition of the answer? Or how would you describe that? Yeah, so fuzzy logic oftentimes, and you and I have brought up examples of assembly line yes. in the mortgage space. I'm also talking, I remember talking to Doug Duncan about this at length. And you could be assembling a car or you could be assembling a jet. So imagine if you're assembling a car and you're using robots to assemble the car. They do this, mm -hmm. it's all real. And when they put the frame of the car together, the robot has to put the nut in the right part of the right hole to put the frame together. It has to be exact millimeters to get the threading to work, just like if you were gonna do it with a socket wrench. Right. But the machine comes forward with the screw and it's not quite at the hole to thread the screw. So it's smart enough via fuzzy logic okay. to move about two millimeters over, now I'm lined up with the hole. Now I'll start turning and spin the nut into the hole and then go get the next. So it's, okay, it's, it's, so it's where it can make some adjustments. It can make adjustments usually around boundary conditions that you put around the decision. Got it. And now if you take that to the next level, now you get to our topic today, which is artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, which I and every engineer will tell you has been around for 50 years. It's been around a long time. These are self-taught systems. So here, it's not doing something that you repeatedly do and you tell it how to do it. It's thinking on its own and coming up with the solution to what you're asking. You give it a construct 
like chat GPT is a great example. And you give chat GPT a construct, I call it. And the construct is middle-aged man talks to middle-aged woman about new job in Seattle. There's the construct. You give that to chat GPT and you say, write me a story. And it will create a story around the construct that you did not come up with. That is artificial intelligence. What would that be in a mortgage construct, the sense? What would an example of that be? Yeah. A document recognition system that never saw this document before. Most of them would fail and say, I don't know what this is. But if the system is smart enough to look at its massive array of data, and we'll talk about big data more later in the conversation as well, because that's very important to where artificial intelligence is going. But if it looks across that whole data repository and now can think up what this document is that you just gave it the first time, based on all 500,000 documents that it's seen in the past, and it yeah. comes up with the name, that's self-teaching. That's an artificial intelligence doc solution. Okay, so when someone is trying to put this into let into the mortgage industry, give us an example, another example other than docs. I'm thinking of sales. I'm thinking of areas where we're like lead generation right now, Gabe. Is anything come to mind? So lead generation, I'll come back to that one. But another example that I like to use on the servicing side of mortgage has to do with voice recognition. You can one. put artificial intelligence on a call center solution and detect and learn what the tenor or the manner of the caller is when they call in and then route the calls better. Why is it artificial intelligence, you might ask? Because Gabe just called this time and he's in the call center for the first time. So you didn't ever program anything of what Gabe is. Is he mad? Is he not mad? So the system listens to the voice, looks at the waves of the voice and determines that Gabe is upset. And it's pretty easy to determine that. And now routes the call to a special group that handles upset borrowers because you wanna give them more attention than somebody that's happy and just calling for a payoff balance on the servicing side. So that's an example. There are other examples that you could look at with chat GPT with regard to leads management. So this is one of the more exciting things, but like where you could go with your data from a Salesforce solution mm. to set up a construct for chat GBT to come up with your script to read to the prospect. So you get ah. your Salesforce, a transformational mortgage solutions or mortgage connect. You look in your Salesforce and you find this prospect and they're at 10% of the funnel. So they haven't developed much yet. And you get the company name, you get the geography of where they are, you get these five, six, 10 things. You give that to ChatGPT in the future, I'm saying. And then you say, write me a script of how to introduce my product to this person. And ChatGPT comes up with the script. And now with integration to language packages that is already happening, they could say the script. So you don't even have to call and read it. You could have a plug into chat GPT that sounds like a woman, sounds like a man, sounds like an older person, younger person, whatever it is, and have them call your pipeline and read a context-based message. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. The background of the person maybe, or whatever it is you put in the construct that actually gets the relationship going 
and you're doing all of this. This is really interesting. I'm ideating, creating something based on what you just said, which is almost a little of artificial intelligence. What I'm thinking about is slide dial. It is a service where you can get past someone's phone. In other words, you dial, if I were to dial you, it doesn't let you answer, but it goes right to your voicemail. And what you could do is if I had a profile on Gabe and I never met you, I could put that in the computer or into chat GPT, have it suggest that use natural language, a voice and have it drop a voicemail message that would be almost perfect. Is that correct? Yeah. That you can, starts, and you okay. can GPT technology or open AI, yeah. you can come up with what is said and then right. use a natural language package to make it sound like a person. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like a bot. And then use Salesforce to seed the information on how to build out the to-do pipeline for this automation, essentially, and then have everybody call. It's pretty amazing where all of this is can go. I saw an example today that, uh, that I was looking at with our legal department, and what it was had to do with putting together legal documents using artificial intelligence. So... Literally, it used OpenAI. It looked at the document that you had drafted, an MSA, say, for your company, yeah. Mortgage Connect or at, at Transformational Mortgage Solutions. And then it looks at the sections of all of the documents within the legal library of documents and comes up with a more natural way to explain wow. the document to the new company that you're trying to sign up. The applications start getting really... Oh, so exciting. And it's really limited to your ability to how to apply this and start experimenting with it. But you bring up attorneys, which really gets us to an interesting element about this is the regulatory environment regarding AI. We've seen already where AI has crossed some lines unintentionally and talk about the regulatory environment. Yeah. So I am not a regulatory expert like Alice or the others that you have right. frequently on the podcast that I enjoy listening to, by the way, um, when I can. Um, but <laughs> yep. I have been paying attention to this a little bit because of just interest. And really, the Biden administration put out the blueprint for AI already some months ago. And just last week or the week before, the Department of Commerce issued an RFC, a request for comment. And the government is trying to say, whoa, hold on. This is going really fast in terms of where it's developing. We should be thoughtful about how we do this. And being thoughtful in my mind, David, has to do a lot with the accountability of the process that's running the artificial intelligence. So if you're going to use artificial intelligence to help you with hiring people, that's not necessarily right or wrong. But if the artificial intelligence is self-taught and generates its own bias that your equal opportunity employment does not line up with and then makes hiring decisions on your behalf, that's not okay. Not so okay. that's yeah. causing a lot of people, I think, to ask the question, how far is too far? And how do you set boundaries? And what should those be? And where should be, who sets them? Is it the government? Is it the police? Is it a new AI group that doesn't exist yet? Is it the universities? 
there is not a governance yet around artificial intelligence. And so that's something that is a hot topic. And I believe, Dave, it's going to be a really hot topic for years to come as this it continues is. to advance. As it continues to develop, there's no question that this really enters into some of the biggest risks that we as lenders have. You said, look at recently, what's the number of some of the top banks, Wells Fargo, most recently pulled out of the mortgage industry for the most part because of the regulatory fines they paid. So the bigger organization, the higher the risk. Gabe, when you look at the regulatory environment, you've already identified some things. There are some potential problems. But is that a reason to stay out of using chat GPT or AI or RPA or ML or any of these? No, no, I don't think that there, any of these are a reason not to use them. But I do think that these are all reasons to be thoughtful about how you use them. Give us some so, guidance on how to be thoughtful. Give us a little insights and dive a little deeper into that. Don't get an artificial intelligence to do something that you wouldn't do. What if you tripped over the line you're doing, it's starting to do it without you knowing it. For example, uh, approving a particular group of loans or declining Put a group the of right loans. safeguards in okay. so that you catch it and stop it. Just if you had a human being making the loans to the wrong people, you have to catch that too. Yeah, that's what the point I want to get to. I'm asking questions somewhat on a rhetorical basis in my mind, because you and I have talked about this enough, but it, there are practical things you can put in place. Stop caps that allow you to not get yourself in trouble as an organization. I think the thing that's most important, and you've talked, you and I've talked about this over many a dinner and many opportunities of getting together is a lot of people look at the future. They look at what could be done and they either choose to move forward into it carelessly, or they say it's just too much risk and we're staying away. That's a ditch on both sides of this road. And it can feel like this road is narrow, but the reality is it's a road that we all must get on and travel quickly, or we could find ourselves left behind. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think that, look, I believe that innovation is going to happen yeah. regardless of what David and Gabe does. <laughs> so put a different way, another question might be, What's game changing right now with regard to artificial intelligence? As you say, Gabe, it's been around for 50 years. What, what, what's different then? And what's different also ties to your point that you just made. So that's why I'm correlating here. Yep, what's yep. different is that there are so many more people that have access to the artificial intelligence than ever before. Yep. Everybody with a cell phone has access. And not only that, they have access to so much more data than ever before. It used to be that you had to have $100 million to go buy a thinking machine's concurrent processing system in the 1990s, then hire a team of 15 PhDs to write a neural network to do artificial intelligence. Now all you need is an iPhone, and you can access ChatGPT, you can access other AI projects, and there are going to be more to come. And now with 100,000 people and a million people that has the access, one of them is going to be thinking about the next way of building the mousetrap, the next way of communicating about a mortgage, the next way about closing a deal, the next way about plugging this together with Salesforce, because there's 10 million that can have access to think about it. You don't have to go to a research firm to go have access to the technology to come up with the solution. 
When you talk about practical uses, we've already touched on a couple. Are there any other practical uses of AI in the mortgage lending environment? So, yeah, I, I think that the main ones, we're using it for doc recognition and taking that to the next level at Mortgage Connect. We like to sign documents digital. We like to take our customers digital and progress down the digital landscape, which means get out of paper all the way across the board, electronic signatures, electronic documents. And that requires, if you haven't seen the document before, you've got to figure out what it is, classify it correctly, put it in the right bucket, put it in the right widget to be able to move it down the process flow, whatever that might be. So we're using artificial intelligence and cloud and big data to be able to do better document recognition. We're looking at voice solutions. We talked about that. That's more popular on the servicing and call center sides of the house where they have lots of calls that are going in and need to do predictive analytics on the calls. We talked about the example just recently that I saw where they were utilizing chat GPT in a legal context to be able to help author and reauthor next generation MSAs, SOWs, et cetera, from your legal department or NDAs um, and being able to word them correctly, word them in a more natural context that's taking advantage of that natural language processing. And then you can go from there to decisioning. And decisioning is where it gets a little bit more dangerous, depending on what decision that you're having the program make. So you have to put guardrails around it, like we talked about. Yep. You can have a system that learns to make its own decisions um, also and apply that to a credit process or a mortgage process, et cetera. So it's like the skies are really the limits, but within constraints and thoughtfulness about how you're using the technology and stepping, start with a minimum viable product and then move it along where you can build data of all the hundreds of thousands of correct decisions that are being made, even though they're self-teaching that's happening. Got to watch it and monitor it and be close to what it's doing. Heck, a lot of companies now still don't even know how to manage their RPA, which is just the box that are doing repeatable tasks. They're not even trying to decide and learn and come up with their own way. And monitoring, yeah. as I said in the previous podcast with you, monitoring yeah. is one of the most important things to think about when you're trying to deploy RPA solutions. AI just takes that to a whole new level. Yeah, when we did the previous interview back in 2019, again, it seems as current, when I would just listen to it preparing for this interview, it seems as current as if we could have just recorded yesterday. Only thing we weren't using the language chat GPT open AI. That's the new element that's in there. Are there, is there a way which you can combine and use RPA and then machine learning and then put AI on top of that? Are we seeing an integration of all these various elements and explain what that could do for a mortgage company? Yeah, so we are absolutely because the RPA companies are constantly adding and innovating their solutions. So they are combining machine learning and artificial intelligence into the RPA so that the RPA box that you put in to solve a specific repeatable problem, if you turn on artificial intelligence, you can turn it on by having the bot recognize a document and do something with the document. So that's using the artificial intelligence of the doc recognition on top of but yeah. you can also use artificial intelligence and start to do things like, I'd like you to figure out the process. Here's a system. Watch what happens on the system for an hour and then record that. 
somewhere wow. and then now recommend to me what the process steps should be that I can eliminate waste from the wow. process. Wow, you're getting into business process reengineering. Really, what it's talking about is this tool. And I had never even thought about this, which was really getting into the area I want to go is practical applications of chat GPT to the mortgage industry. One of the things that's badly needed is I, as a consultant and as someone been in the industry for 50 years, I see all these processes. We've been doing it the same way for decades and we really don't have the innovation. And I think it's because part of the time we're either so busy, we don't have time to innovate or we're in a contraction mode where we had to let go of all the people and extra people and our ability to look at how we could do things differently. So as a result, business process improvement has really suffered. So you're saying chat GPT or the whole AI, broadly speaking, can really start going in and improving that. That is exciting. Yeah, I would say, that I'm not, I wouldn't profess myself to be a chat GBT expert, but from what I understand from what I've looked at and played around with it, it's a natural language artificial intelligence that they're updating and innovating to do a lot more things, but that's really what it's focused on. So it by itself is not necessarily going to re-engineer a process for you yet. <laughs> we'll see where it is in a year or two years from now. However, yeah. It will do natural language processing for you at a step in the process. So oh, let's I say think, yeah. you get a loss mitigation process, right. which is not an I easy problem. Well, yep. Yeah, it's not. And so you look at that and you see all the contact points for the borrowers and you look at the scripts of what you developed to your point that's 20 years old and you feed that to chat GPT and you say, Give me a better way to communicate this to the borrower. It'll do that for you. That'll do that right now. They, they It'll will do, do that right now. It will do that right now. That's amazing. Which goes back to what I love is when we had our last mortgage company in Southern California, we had an inbound call, a call center, and we used some technology that wasn't nearly as sophisticated to route phone calls to someone of like personality and increase the success of that inbound call experience for the inbound caller because they were talking to someone of a very similar personality. And I think those are the kind of things that we're going to expect to see. And I think we look at how is looking forward, Gabe, Give us some insights to where this is going, the applications that we can anticipate in the months and years ahead, at least the months ahead. Things are moving so quickly. I think just months will give you enough of a challenge. Yeah. So I think that they're constantly innovating ChatGPT because it has so much exposure and so many people are so energized by what it does. So they're using it for more and more tasks. Right. Write me a college paper. Write me an admission test. Write me a Salesforce script like we talked about earlier. Write me. So while that's going on to innovate the uses of the system itself, it's building its data. So it, yeah. it hears every single thing and it knows every single thing that it's ever written. And now it can use that as the example for the next thing that you ask it to write. So you see, David, compounds over time. That's why the big data cloud like Tesseract document recognition, why that's a game changer. It's a game changer because it's so accessible. You can just subscribe and go get it. It used to be a million dollars to go buy a doc recognition system. You recall this. And you had to go to big providers yeah. to go buy them too and pay a lot of money. Now you can just subscribe on a cloud and you have the solution. But the other game changer is that it's not just your docs that it's looking at. It's looking at 100 million docs, all of them. 
and training off of all of them. Wow. And yours is only 100,000 docs if you're a large lender. So now you plug that in and you have access to all of that data. And then now you can move the solutions a lot faster along because the data is compounding into the solution for you. Where yeah. could it go from here? The sky is the limit. There's innovation. You talked about it earlier. You and I have gotten together at the dinner table in Washington and other places, and everybody's going to be getting around the table, and they're going to be innovating with these new technologies that they have accessibility to. I see lots of language applications, document applications, and progression towards digital applications that are going to happen in the mortgage industry as a result. One of the things it is not going to do is replace people. It may replace processes that certain people do, but it will not replace people. So it's an interesting thing. I would, on the surface of that, agree with you. Because if you and I are sitting together, we talk about as management teams, we talk about go back to the office, don't go back to the office, work remote. It all relates to interacting and being social, which most human beings are, okay? But there was an article recently done that ChatGPT, somebody's using it to do voice voiceovers and doing the voiceover itself. So a firm could be like, I want a voiceover for this animated mascot that's running around and it's selling my product. And instead of going to a person, they're now going to ChatGPT okay. and this partner to be able to do the voicing of the mascot. And the article was basically, is this putting, is this killing an industry? And I don't know if it is or not. I think it's gonna reduce that industry because if it's easier to do it the other way and it's less expensive and you don't have to schedule somebody and it's there all the time and you just go, it's gonna provide benefit. And so that benefit's going to have to be weighed against getting that personal touch. But I think at the end of the day, and you've talked about this many a podcast, at the end of the day, mortgages are very relationship driven. Right. Not only are they at the consumer relationship driven, but they're also at the business to business relationship driven. And it's going to take a lot of software to go in and mess around and replace relationships. Yeah. Once you develop the, them, it's hard to do. Yeah, I love, I love brain science, studying brain science. And one of my favorite books is Rare Leadership. And it talks about the limbic side of the brain. Also, Simon Sinek talks about that in when it starts with why. And I look at what chat GPT can do. I look at what the power of certain these solutions, even with natural language programming, but it does not have the ability to have an emotional component yet. Some would say that's not true because it's been able to deceive others in chat conversations. RPA can do that right now if they have enough data on that. Gabe, I love brain science. I'm studying it. I love looking at the our logic center, how we process information, especially as you look at AI and looking at what are the opportunities? Where can we better use AI to partner with the part of our logic brain? But then there's other parts of our brain, like the limbic system, which has known language. And that's where we come up and say, I have a hunch. I can't tell you why, but I have this hunch we should or should not do this. I have this general feeling. My gut is telling me all those kind of nonverbal signals, which we try to talk from. And a lot of that comes out of our limbic brain system. How do you see AI partnering with us? And where does that partnership fall apart as it relates to the mortgage business? That's a pretty complex question. 
So I would say with way, where AI is now, AI doesn't have much, as you point out, emotion. Right. But I would say emotion is learned. Okay, we learn emotion as kids all the way through our lives, through getting married, through having kids. That's just the family side of emotion, which is pretty deep for most people, through religion and emotion, through all of the different things that you can learn emotion from. And anything that is learned can be taught. So I would say, I would agree with you. I would never say that can't be done anymore. I don't think that there's like a stopping of this. It's just a question of how long until the next chatbot has emotion. And you have 100 million people working on the problem now. Somewhere in there, somebody's going to put the pieces together to do that innovation faster. And then in which case you'll have an emotional chattable, natural language bot. And now you can direct it to new tasks to handle emotional people or read the emotion out of the people and put it to the right bot or learn all of that. So there's a lot of applications here. And whereas we have all of our experiences that we built over time, look at how many experiences that you have all your whole life. And when you say, I have a hunch or my gut tells me that this is going to be like this, more often than not always, but more often than not, it's some experience or previous combination of experiences that's driving the hunch. And so if you could take all of your experiences and all of my experiences, just the two of us, and put that into a database and make that database aware to artificial intelligence, They don't have to learn that and wait 50 years or 30 years to gain all the experience anymore. So they cut right to the chase and they have all of that experience right now to be able to make it. And it's not just you and me, it's across 50,000 people's experience because the data is that deep. That's where we're headed with this. And that's where it'll have more applications. Is it going to replace a relationship? No, but will a bot be able to create a relationship with another bot or create and fool a human on the phone because they're obviously not humans walking around. Yeah, in the future, they're going to be able to do that. It's it's coming. It's just a question of when. Wow. This is such a deep topic and it's just so evolving constantly. Gabe, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and talking about this game-changing technology that's going on. We thought we had game-changing stuff going on back years ago when we were talking. Now it's moving at just an extraordinary rate. As we wrap this up, what would you say our listeners need to keep in mind as they're contemplating how they and their companies should use artificial intelligence or all three of them, whether it be RPA or machine learning or AI? Great question. And I'm, again, really glad to be here. Always love being on your podcast and talking with you about all topics. Um, And I look forward to where we go next. That being said, I think that you have hit on some really important takeaways and we together hit on some important takeaways. Don't be scared by the technology. So embrace it. It's going to happen whether you go embrace it or not anyway. So if you're not embracing AI, the mortgage banker down the street is. And they're already asking about it. And lenders are already asking about it. And GSCs are already asking about it. So it's coming. It's the storm and you can see it and the clouds are rolling towards you. So you might as well get the umbrella out and walk into the rain. So that's a big point. 
Don't overuse it and over empower it. Be thoughtful about what you're doing. And don't do something and have something, do something that you wouldn't do. And for a really important one across all these RPA, ML, and AI, make sure you're monitoring it. Just like an unruly employee, you monitor them too. Or the kid that just graduated college and doesn't know, and you're empowering them to do something in your office. You're putting belts and suspenders around them. You gotta put belts and suspenders around any process that's making decisions for you also. In the end, you're accountable for the decision, not the AI. The AI doesn't go to a court of the United States and go on trial. A person that empowered the AI will go to court for the decision that the AI made. So you have to keep that all in mind and be responsible and accountable, but don't be afraid. Be an open and embracing. And AI is one of those examples, Dave, I love that you all recommend books. I recommend them to my leadership teams as well. The Power of Habit, the list goes on. And you should be reading about this because it is going to continue to innovate just what they're doing with ChatGPT. But that's not, ChatGPT, as we talked, is just an application of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence itself is way bigger than that. That's Even just a chatbot. So you have to like watch the, don't the lose the picture. forest for the trees. Yeah, look at the broader picture. Man, there's so much wisdom here. Gabe, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you to have you speak at events or just ping you for your knowledge? Sure, I, I work at Mortgage Connect. We are a company that's headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and have offices around the nation. We're a services provider. My email there is gminton at mortgageconnectlp.com or www.mortgageconnectlp.com is our website. And you certainly can reach out to me there if you have questions or if you would like to have me talk to you about anything on a go-forward basis. Most of the technologies that we talked about today, we're using in, form or, in some form or fashion or researching use of at Mortgage Connect because we are innovative and want to push the envelope as you do at Transformational Mortgage Solutions. So that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Good. Gabe, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Great to be here. You have a great day. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.